When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back in, everybody. This is another episode of the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast. I'm your host, Scott Agnes. And on this episode, we'll hit on a number of topics. How the Pacers have rebounded from their troubling 0-3 start. Who has been excellent for this Pacers team so far? There's also one big injury of note that it will keep a Pacers player out some significant time. Plus my thoughts on what's going on throughout the rest of the NBA. And I'll introduce a new feature on the Pacers podcast. Shout outs to those who deserve it. I want to honor and recognize them for what they have done maybe throughout the week, the month, or something that I have noticed around Bankers Life Fieldhouse. We're now approaching about a month into the season, and it's going to be a roller coaster ride. I don't think there's any doubt about that with this Pacers bunch and what we can expect this upcoming year. I mean, just look at the first week. They went winless, 0-3, and three, but then they've rebounded very nicely after that, guys. They've won five of their last six games to one loss. That's to the top of the Eastern Conference talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers. So that's nothing the Pacers should be disappointed about by any means. They hung in uh, well in that game, played very well uh, for most of the contest, I thought, and ended up losing just by four points, 101-97. to They've, however, won five of the last six games, including two straight. But here are, are going to be approaching a very difficult schedule beginning next week. They're going to play seven of their next nine games on the road, including their first big road trip of the year. It's going to be a four-game trip out west with stops in L.A. against the Lakers and the Clippers. Plus, they'll take on Portland and Utah. That'll be their first big road trip of the season. It'll also mark the second time we'll see those Hickory uniforms on Sunday, November 29th at the Lakers. It'll also be the first time we see Roy Hibbert one of two times facing his former team. And what, what a disaster so far this Lakers team is. I mean, who wants to watch that team? It's truly sad almost what's going on there. They're at the bottom of the Western Conference and just above Philadelphia for the worst record in the league. Kobe Bryant continues to sit out. He's basically done for. He's in his 20th season, but further injuries. I think the latest, a back injury keeping him out. And I thought it was interesting. I saw a note that he has a film crew following him this season. He hasn't admitted that it's going to be his last season. But interesting note that he has employed uh, some guys to follow him around this season to document it. We know he's into documentaries. But we're going to get back to the Pacers. Of course, that's why you're listening to the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast. And, of course, I welcome all your comments and questions at scott at vigilantsports.com. One big thing I'm very proud of is we are finally on iTunes, guys. Get excited, right? Just like I am. Subscribe today to the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast, and you'll be one of the first to know right away when a new episode is published. So iTunes, just search us Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast. And of course, we'll still be on SoundCloud, and I'll always post links at vigilantsports.com. Really like what I'm seeing from the Pacers so far. After that 0-3 start, and I wasn't too worried about it given just the first week of the season. It was against a couple difficult opponents there. Toronto, playoff team. Memphis, 
playoff, should be playoff team. I, I shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. They're struggling out of the gates as well, just three and six. But I would really be surprised if Memphis does not make the playoffs. And Utah, they're uh, currently in the fifth spot out west with a four and four, 500 record. They have a very good shot of making one of those last playoff spots in the Western Conference. I like what they have. Rudy Gobert impressed in his time here in Indianapolis at their lone visit. Gordon Hayward, of course, is the leader of that team. I like what I'm seeing from them. Those three teams that Indiana faced with to start out 0-3 record, Toronto, Memphis, Utah, I would be more surprised if uh, they do not make the playoffs. So nothing to be too disappointed about. So many new moving parts, as I've said several times with this Pacers team, and it's going to take them some time to come together and really understand one another's tendencies, how they play well together, the what lineups play best together. It is going to take head coach Frank Vogel further time to see what he has to work with with this team. I think he deserves a lot of credit here after the first couple of weeks for how He's adapted a little bit, changed rotations some, and continued to work with this this group after uh, that 0-3 start and what changes they have made that have kind of worked out. One thing many don't like, I don't have an issue with, is going back between small ball lineups and bigger lineups. I know against Utah, it didn't work out very well, uh, uh, playing a strong front line against their small ball. But again, that was just their what third game of the season. One player we know who's been excellent, my goodness, Paul George. Welcome back, PG-13. He has been excellent through the first nine games of the season. And then what's interesting is he started a little bit slow. Those One of the key reasons, perhaps, that the Pacers lost those early games is they didn't get a, an excellent performance or the typical performance from Paul George. But here in the last you know week or so, he has been tremendous. He scored at least 25 points. In the last five games, that's the longest such streak of his career. He's averaging just about 24 points per game, five rebounds, and nearly nine assists. So not only is he scoring, but he's getting his teammates involved. He also turned in a couple of back-to-back 30-point performances for the first time of his career. Nearly was able to stretch that out to three straight performances. And one of the big things I see with him was after that first week, he talked so much about trying to make an emphasis on getting his teammates involved earlier in games, where he shouldn't be worried about that as much as just playing his game. If he needs to take over early, great, do so. If he feels out the game and understands that they have a mismatch in one position, whether it be the point guard position or inside at power forward with him, for instance, or maybe on the wing with C.J. Miles and what he's been able to do. He's had the hot hand frequently. But one of the most memorable things was this past week when he scored 19 first quarter points against Orlando. And I think he ended up very well scoring 32 points, but 19 of those coming in the first quarter. That's what he felt the team needed, so he took advantage and, and scored that tally. And I like what we've seen from Paul George, who's obviously the star of this team. They're going to need more for more of that from their 25-year-old as the season progresses. He hasn't showed any signs of um, being slowed up by uh, that leg injury that kept him out all but six games last season. It was funny talking with Paul George uh, prior to the season, talking, you know, does he have any minutes restriction? Would he like um, to to cut his minutes to, you know, 34, 35 minutes? Or really, what kind of minutes does he want to play this season? He said, you know what, I'll play as many as this team wants. 
I'm well rested. These guys played last season. I missed basically all of last season. I'm well rested. I don't need rest. And of course, he's playing in a joking manner in part. But so much of that is true. He He's ready to go. He's so eager to get back after it and just play his brand of basketball and help this Pacers team get back to the playoffs where they should be uh, in a weaker Eastern Conference. One other player that has really stood out to me is the other part of the G2 zone in George Hill. He needs to continue to play aggressive as he has, I thought, this season and as he did for most of last season. This team is so much better when they have a healthy George Hill playing aggressive so he can have not only healthy George Hill, but aggressive George Hill. Most of his damage so far has come from outside of the arc. Over 49% of his points have been scored from range. That's second to only another Indiana player, Indiana native Eric Gordon, who's over the 50 percentile. George Hill has scored better than 49% of his points from beyond the arc, and we know his sweet spot, don't you? That left corner. He's 9 of 12 from three-point range. And it was funny, earlier uh, last week, I talked to him about that sweet spot. And he he said there's nothing special to it. He doesn't know why he's so strong or so comfortable in that position. So then I mentioned to him, so did you buy that real estate? And if you recall, last year he talked about selling the real estate along the three-point position because two years ago, too much uh, of his time was spent just hanging out on the three-point line. Hanging out, that's the key word. And this season... He's been in position but gotten open in that three-point spot, really taking advantage of Paul George, Monte Ellis, C.J. Miles penetrating or knocking down their shot. The space of the court has opened things up much more, I would say, for George Hill. And that's where you're seeing that left corner. He's opened so many times. And frequently it may be Paul George penetrating into the lane, getting double, perhaps triple teamed, and he'll dart a pass into that left corner where He's ready to bombs away, and he does, making 9 of 12 so far this season. And more out of that conversation with George Hill, he said, I bought the whole three-point line. And uh, that was a pretty funny comment from George Hill, who's more relaxed, really more confident, at least to me, I would say, this season and his approach to the year, what needs to be done, what he needs to do this season. It's kind of refreshing to see that. And leadership is a a big issue that I think they're still feeling out as well. Paul George isn't a natural leader. I think he's more of a player that's lead by example. Same goes for George Hill. C.J. Miles, he can be more of an outspoken leader. I wonder where this leadership is going to come from. Monte Ellis is not a leader by any means. He may uh, lead by example with his play, but that's just him doing what he does best and playing basketball. And leadership is an ongoing issue this team will work on throughout the season, just like chemistry will be, because no doubt chemistry is going to be an issue um, for this team, at least I would say until the all-star break. I think that's fair. Now, one injury of note for this Indiana Pacers team suffered just this past week in Boston, and we're talking, of course, about Miles Turner. He uh, played just one minute and 19 seconds in that win over Boston, made a quick foul and said, Coach, Coach, I got to go out. His left thumb did not look right, and that's because it wasn't. He had a chip fracture on his left thumb, and that's going to sideline him for at least a month is what the Pacers are saying. And the team's medical staff is still deciding what next action they should take because uh, is surgery necessary or can it heal on its own? We shall see what they ultimately decide. That has not been decided upon. 
just yet for Miles Turner. So what can he gain from uh, missing this time? Because there are positives, I think, of this situation. More than anything, he just needs to get out there and play. Bite the bullet a little bit. He's going to have some issues out on the court, especially defensively as he still needs to bulk up. And he could get played a little bit by the bigger and more experienced centers in this league. But positively... Well, for one, he can heal up those bumps and bruises. He doesn't have any serious injuries of note, but he entered camp with knee soreness, one of two players to enter camp with uh, a minor injury. And then also he's just had little knickknacks pop up, nothing that's kept him out of play or missed significant time by any means, but it's nagging injuries. So he can rest those up. He can continue to work in the weight room, get bigger working with Sean Wendell there in the weight room. That's going to be a big thing for him in the next two, three years is make a focused effort in the weight room to bulk up a little bit and, and strengthen his core and legs so he can really go against those Bigger centers, although they're becoming more rare, he can bang against those bigger centers and defend them a little bit better as he puts on more weight. Also, I think he should he should take after like his fellow rookie and Joe Young and become a, a guy that's locked in on the film room and watching a ton of film because a lot can be learned from watching film of himself, from watching a film of his teammates and finding out what they like to do and and where he should go when a certain player is perhaps driving or or taking his man one-on-one. Where can he slide onto the court that puts him best position to get a pass or to rebound the basketball and more and also watch other stars in the league. What do they do so well that have allowed them to stay in the league for so long and be efficient and also be an all-star? Certainly that's one of his goals as his career progresses to be an all-star. And I don't see any reason why he should not be. He showed nice performances when he's been in there playing no more than 20 minutes per game. He's a force uh, underneath swatting shots, you know, into the second or third row He's picked his spots when to rebound and been able to pick up a handful of rebounds each game. They certainly need that. And he showed comfort and no hesitation along the perimeter shooting the basketball with Miles Turner. Coach Vogel told him in the preseason that they want him to take the open shot. And so he's as a rookie, has not shown any hesitation, which has surprised me a little bit. Usually those guys become, if anything, more pass-happy because they want to make their teammates happy. They want to find the next best shot, but sometimes that best shot is with Miles along the perimeter, perhaps at the free-throw line or 18 feet out when he's running a pick-and-roll. I really like what Miles has been able to do in the pick-and-roll situations. So Miles will miss about four weeks, maybe less, maybe more. We shall see. But he's estimated to miss about four weeks. It is to his non-shooting thumb. That's great. You don't want to mess with the shooting hand. And maybe with it being to his non-shooting thumb, he can come back earlier than they have estimated because that left hand, what do you need it for? You need it to guide the ball and, and prepare for your jump shot. And you obviously need to be able to catch the ball off rebounds or if a teammate passes it to you. But a thumb, I don't think, plays too much of a a big factor into the equation. Pacers have two players with their D-League team, Shane Winnington and Rakeem Christmas. They have talked about bringing one of them back, but at this point, they are going to let them stay in Fort Wayne. And that's probably the right move because the D-League season gets underway this weekend. They'll play, I think their first four games are at home. And that's really when they want their players to play on the D-League team is when they're at home and not traveling and not away from the team. If they're home games, 
up north in Fort Wayne. They want their players to take full advantage of that and get good reps because these guys would not be playing, talking about Winnington and Christmas. They would not be playing at this point. That's where the D-League steps in. They've been able to have long practices focusing on the defense and also this game reps. Game reps are important and being able to send those two guys down there to get a couple of game reps here early on and throughout the regular season, I think they'll, they'll make several stops, is very key and critical to their development. So the Pacers, 5-4 and four thus far, and they are in the playoff picture right now. And we've seen this Pacers team pick up some nice wins that I think will make a big difference down the stretch. Remember last season, guys, last season they missed the playoffs because they didn't have the tiebreaker with Boston or with Brooklyn. Well, this year, Detroit, they got a nice 12-point win already on them. They've beaten the Boston Celtics twice. They've beaten Orlando by double digits, and Orlando very well could sneak into the playoffs. You want all those head-to-head meetings in your favor, and obviously the more wins you can, especially late in the season. All these will add up and could play an important role in deciding the playoff picture. But right now, 5-4 and record, they would be in. One player I think is still trying to figure out his role within this team is Monte Ellis because he's had really one good game, I would say, to this point where he's looked like the Monte Ellis of old. He's played in all nine games. He started all nine games, averaging about 33 minutes per game. But his points... They're down to 11 points per game. He is averaging just about five assists per game, which leads the team. So we can't leave that out. He is passing as well as anyone on this Pacers team. He's just not scoring, I think, like many of us um, expect or or had hope. I thought there was a chance that Ellis would threaten Paul George to be the top scorer on this team. Obviously, that's not going to be the case as we're about 10 games into the season and we've seen how this has progressed. Monte Ellis, I think he'll be fine. He's one you don't really get too many quotes out of and so it's hard to feel or understand where he's at. But I think he's just feeling games out and, and really taking advantage of his matchup when he can. His jumper isn't quite where he'd like it, I know. He's shooting just 36% from the field. That will improve. He'll get better at that, and he'll get better shots too as teams have to you know, play off of him perhaps for, for Paul George or George Hill. C.J. Miles, who's hit well from behind the three-point arc. He's the second-best three-point shooter on this Pacers team at 37%. George Hill, of course, the best at 46%. I can't get past. He's made 49% of his points from three-point range. And maybe that's not good because you want him to attack. You want more aggressive George Hill. You want him to drive and and get some layups underneath. But he does a great job of reading what the defense gives them, not just him but the team, and he's been left open. So I do like what the Pacers have gotten from George Hill and the G2 brothers. A look around the league now, and Golden State, of course, has, has really impressed. I was watching them Thursday night when they were up in Minnesota. Of course, the Pacers hosting Minnesota Friday night, so it was a good opportunity for me to see this new-look Minnesota team and also check out this Golden State Warriors team. They're 10-0. and It's their best start in franchise history, and Steph Curry continues to excel. What a talent he is and a fun player to watch. Just the things he's able to do on the court, the baskets he's able to get to fall has just been 
it's just exhilarating to watch. I really like covering the, this Pacers team, this Pacers organization, but I can't imagine what it would be like to follow this story that is Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. I know it would be difficult, more difficult than I certainly have to deal with because they're on national TV nearly every game because they have so many writers flying in to cover this team. They have so many more reporters. Oracle Arena, where Golden State players games, is arguably one of the best fan atmospheres to take in a game. That's certainly on my to-do list. And then also just the talent they have on their roster, how they have pieced together that team. In 10-0 record, the best start in franchise history has been done without their head coach, Steve Kerr, who's still away from the team taking care of personal business and health issues. And so Luke Walton has impressively taken over and continued to guide this ship. This team, I I feel like, could almost go on autopilot, but it does need a leader. It does need someone to point the team in the right direction. So Walton has done a nice job. A couple of the surprises for me, New Orleans. Now, in part, that's because of so many injuries they've battled with, but one in seven start to the season. I certainly didn't see that one coming. And also eight games through, more of a disappointment, I would say, is Houston. That was a many teams surprise pick to perhaps make it out of the Western Conference, but they're just 4-4. Four and four. They've had some bad losses here earlier in the season. That's really surprised me. Coming up this weekend, the Pacers developmental team starts action Saturday. Of course, Shane Winnington and Orkeem Christmas. Also of note that I want to mention, Boomer, the Pacemates, the Power Pack, will all be up in Fort Wayne in the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. Trying to tie in, it's the first game with the Mad Ants being owned by the Indiana Pacers. So the first 3,000 fans in attendance will get a Mad Ants Pacers rally towel. And then, of course, the Boomer, Pacemates, and Power Pack will all be up there in what should be a fun game. I hope to make it up to Fort Wayne this season and be in attendance for a Mad Ants game. Check out a couple of the Pacers players and also just see how basketball is rolling up in Fort Wayne. And also to talk with those within the Mad Ants organization and see how this one-to-one relationship is going. And lastly, on this podcast, time for a new segment called Shout Outs. I want to shout out those that I recognize have done great work around Bankers Life Fieldhouse or within the Pacers organization. First, the Hickory uniforms have been terrific in that first game this past Friday. Went over very well. There was a special intro video, new banners throughout Bankers Life Fieldhouse. I discussed that in full with Pacers Senior VP Todd Taylor on the last pod class, so I want to shout him out. Dean Havlin, along with Doug Whitecamp, who deserves a lot of praise for the public memorial service for Mel Daniels that was also held over the last week. And lastly, the Community Relations Department for the Pacers, Kelly Tolles, Richie Smith, and Darnell Hillman. They've done a lot with Hoops for Our Troops. They held a a nice little breakfast for Pacer employees I heard about, honoring those that have served in the military. That is special. Pacers are wearing special shooting shirts. And then also it's that that time of year when they're giving back in the community. Thursday, Lavoie Allen donated 100 turkeys and hung out with people at the uh, Boys and Girls Club. That's special to see. Pacers do a great job being out in the community. So I just wanted to shout them out. Next week, I hope to have another special guest on this Pacers podcast. Don't want to tease him just yet. 
But I appreciate all your feedback with this podcast. Send it my way, at Scott Agnes on Twitter or Scott at VigilantSports.com. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to this Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast on iTunes. Just search Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast or on my Twitter. I have that as my link. Subscribe to us today and be one of the first ones to know when a new podcast is up. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Pacers podcast. I'm your host, Scott Agnes, saying so long until next week.